Hi, I'm Crystal Siracus, and this is Off the Page, a brand new podcast from WSKG Public Media. I'll be talking with writers from our local community and also from around the globe about their works, what their writing process is like, and more. I hope you enjoy it. This is episode one. And I'm dedicating this one to the late Bill Jaker. Bill was the OG of Off the Page when it was a radio program back on WSKG in the late 1990s and early 2000s. The show ran for more than a decade, and he even let me sit in the host chair from time to time. I learned a lot from Bill, not just about the art of interviewing, but also about being a curious human being. Bill, we do miss you. On this first episode, I'm talking with Oneonta author Deborah Blake. She's the author of several paranormal romance series and numerous books on modern witchcraft. Her newest series is a cozy mystery set in the Catskills of New York. Hey, Deb, thanks so much for joining me. Thanks for having me. So Forbidden Fatality is the first book in a new cozy mystery series called The Catskills Pet Rescue Mystery. Now, for those who are listening who may not know, what exactly is a cozy mystery? A cozy mystery is a feel-good mystery. I mean, there's a wide range of mysteries. There's, you know, the hard-boiled detective mysteries, and then there's the, you know, people getting murdered by serial killers mysteries. And then you've got your cozies where there's no graphic violence. Um, there's... They're actually very clean, you know, there's, I was told I couldn't swear, and I said to my editor, really? Um, <laughs> and, you know, there, there, you know, things happen, you know, people, people get murdered, because otherwise there's no point in the mystery, but it's all very comfortable and um, low stress, and it's a feel-good book, uh, you know, it's a cookie, it's not a it's not a three course meal. It's it's all right. It's a handful of cookies, which these <laughs> days is not a bad thing. One right. of the reasons I started writing them was because a, a lot of my favorite authors that I read write darker things and I couldn't read those things this year. And so I thought, well, I'm going to write something that'll make people feel warm and fuzzy. I like that. I like that. It's the warm and well, fuzzy and kind of mystery. It's, and it's about animals, so it really is warm and fuzzy. Well, there you go. Now, it does mark a bit of a genre shift for you, um, or a maybe little a little bit, or maybe just a whole new branch in your in your tree. Um, it's but, wild. <laughs> yeah. And so, and so was that really just about you wanted to just write something totally different? Yes and no. Um Partially, you know, I started out with paranormal romance and urban fantasy, which I still absolutely love. I've got, you know, my Baba Yaga series um, from Berkeley. Um, and part of the problem was that the market shifted and they were no longer buying paranormal romances. People still want to read them, but this is publishing and that's the way it works. And so I could not sell a new paranormal romance. And um, I tried a few other things, um, just uh, like uh, rom-coms, things that I've wanted to write for a while. Couldn't sell those either. And my agent one day, who is the brilliant uh, Elaine Spencer, said to me, you know, I think you'd have a great voice for cozies. Have you ever considered writing one? And I went, uh, nope. <laughs> 
And then I started looking at the idea and I read a bunch of cozies because that's what you do if you're not all that familiar with the genre. And I went, hey, these are kind of fun. And so I figured I'd try my hand at it. And, you know, the end result was a three book contract for this really fun uh, cozy series. Now, this story starts with Carrie, who has hit it big in the lottery and then um, winds up buying a, a kind of failing pet rescue, like, you know, like you do, I guess, when you win the lottery. Uh, well, um, <laughs> that's what I'd probably do. <laughs> I was going to say, I think I think a lot of us have probably daydreamed about what we do if we won the lottery. But mm-hmm. I don't think I'd ever thought about buying a pet rescue. Well, I wouldn't have if I hadn't been in one. There is a local, this is actually inspired by a local rescue where I got two of my four cats. Um, it's a place called uh, Superheroes with in Ripped Jeans. And it was started by a woman who had this idea of saving all the animals that fell through the cracks for the regular shelters. Because our regular shelters are always full, always full. And, you know, there are people who couldn't afford to pay, you know, the fees, you know, things like that. And so she started this thing out of her apartment. It eventually became a real honest to goodness organization, completely not for profit, supported only by, you know, donations and volunteers. And, you know, I started going up there. Uh, to do a little bit of volunteer work. I mean, very little, you know, I would go up and wash dishes and occasionally clean a cage, um, you know, return phone calls. And I saw how hard this woman worked and how hard everybody else who took part in it worked. And they did it all on a shoestring. And I thought, you know, what these people need is for somebody to win the lottery and then come in and give them a lot of money. And then when I started talking about coming up with an idea for a cozy, I went, huh, That's how it happens with writers. Well, it is. And I had read it a tiny little article in my local paper, I don't know, five years ago. I mean, just one of those little blurbs that said, you know, local person won $5 million on a scratch off at the convenience store. And, you know, $5 million sounds like a lot of money. These days it really isn't. Um, so, you know, she can't just do whatever she wants. But yeah, those two those two things, the fact that I had seen this struggling shelter, which is not the one in the book is is struggling a lot more. I mean, obviously this is fictionalized version. It's not these are not the same people. It is not the same shelter. But yeah, that idea of watching them struggle against these incredible odds and wishing that I had a couple of million dollars to give them, which, you know, I I am actually giving them a little bit of the proceeds of every book. So Carrie, you're, you're, you know, the, the main character here, our heroine, um, buys the animal shelter and starts to get involved with the people who are still kind of working there. And then the plot thickens. Tell us a little bit about that part. Well, there is an evil dog warden. Now, mind you, this is another part where reality sort of comes in. My best friend who you've met, um, is both a dog groomer and a the dog warden for her local town. So she was able to give me all sorts of, you know, in background information, which was great. And she is not an evil dog warden. She's a good dog warden. But in this book, the evil dog warden is trying to get this place shut down for nefarious reasons. And uh, he ends up being murdered in their backyard. And Carrie is the prime suspect. And so she and her gang of, of, you know, fun 
volunteers have to you know, figure this out. Uh, there's also a, a dog that he was uh, accusing of being violent who might you know, have something horrible happen if they can't figure it out. So, you know, there's stakes. Um, but but I can't tell you anymore or, you know, nobody will want to read the book. Exactly. I will say Buster. I love Buster. Buster, Buster is great. Buster's the dog. My editor's favorite, favorite character of all the animals there is the the three-legged cat who's sort of the mascot of the of the shelter and she wants that cat (laughs) (laughs) now tell us about the other star of the story who is queenie 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 is the little kitten who actually uh carrie ends up being dragged into this shelter because she finds this abandoned about three month old little black kitten goes to take it to her local shelters and they say there's no room. Nobody gets kitten season. We're all, you know, overstocked. It's really too bad that, you know, this place down the road is failing and having to shut down. And so she, you know, goes there with the intent of, you know, saving the place so that we'll have a place to, to put this kitten. And of course the kitten decides to stay with her as they will. Um, and, uh, Queenie is, is as much probably a star of the book as Carrie is, and she's a little bossy and she does have a nose for trouble. So she, she helps find clues and things. I love that part. Is there a particular cat that might have inspired (laughs) Queenie? Oh yes. Magic the cat queen of the universe. Uh, my, my cat who I lost a few years ago, uh, she would have been like this, you know, she would, if, if there were crimes at my house to solve, she would have solved them. And she did have a mind of her own. She was, she was the boss of me. Absolutely. And so, yes, this, this um, cat is a little bit in honor of her. Although I do also have a demon kitten at the moment. Well, she's a year and a half old. She's still a kitten who is equally as stubborn and you know more likely to cause crime than solve it. But yeah, it's pretty much you know based on on Magic the Cat, who uh, was was very much uh, you know, the the ruler of this house, and and more or less did what she wanted. Now, in the world of writing, there are different ways that a writer kind of works out the plot of the book. You know, some sit down, outline it, and others do what we call pantsing, which is, you know, you're going to write by the seat of your pants, and you may not know what's going to happen until you're actually writing it. So can you actually be a pantser and write a mystery? Or do you Uh, need to know what's going to happen ahead of time? Thankfully, I already was a plotter. I tend to write outlines. I I, have always done that. But First of all, the publishing company, when you put in, you know, I didn't have to write the whole book before I submitted it. I think I wrote the first uh, 50 pages or something, but they wanted as part of the submission an entire detailed outline. And by detailed, I mean more than 20 pages. They want, But I also discovered in writing these mysteries, I have to know how the mystery works. I need, I need to know who's doing what, where, to whom, uh, you know, what the, who, who looks like they might've done it and why did they not do it? And, you know, what was their, their possible motivation? Mysteries, much more complicated and intricate and 
I, for me at least, I had to plot the entire thing from start to finish. Um, and I actually started out by saying, okay, who got murdered? Who did it? Why did they do it? Who are the suspects? What are all their theoretical motives for the crime? And then I went on and wrote the story, which was a very different approach from anything I'd ever done before. And then you have to also think about, okay, so how do I put in the roadblocks for the reader so that we don't tell the story in, you know, 50 pages? Right. Well, and you've got to have the the red herrings so that they think maybe it's somebody else. The idea is, and this is the tricky bit, you want the reader to get to the end of the book, find out who done it, be surprised that they did it, but also be able to look back at what they read and say, oh, of course it was them. And that's really hard. <laughs> that's always the fun part, because then if you want to go back and reread the book, you're like, oh, oh, yeah, there was a clue. Mm -hmm. There was a yep, clue. There, exactly. There, there should be things that you don't want people to get to the end of the book and say, oh, I knew it was that person all along. I mean, they may suspect. They may have glimmers. Um, you know, I had my friend Donna Andrews, who's a mystery writer, not of cozies, but of humorous mysteries, which are sort of cozy adjacent. And she said, she wrote, read the book and gave me advice. And she said, I wanted it to be that person because I hated them so much. But she didn't know, which was good. That's, you know, she was, she was my test subject. <laughs> so even when you've, you've sat down, you've outlined the story, you have this detailed outline. When you're actually writing it, are there still things that surprise you? Oh, always. And, you know, I've always written from an outline, although some of them are longer and some of them are shorter, but there are twists. I actually, I, I had a character, one of the sidekicks, her, her best friend, who is a six foot tall, lavender haired dog groomer who, who sort of in my head looks like that soccer player, the woman soccer player, mm -hmm. um, turned out to be gay. I didn't know she was gay when I started writing the character. And then there she was, she was gay. And I went, Okay. <laughs> um, and yeah, occasionally the story takes a twist. Um, and that is the fun part because I think it would be sort of boring to write something that you already knew every single thing that happened. I mean, even with a very detailed outline, I have had the story zig where I thought it was going to zag. As long as it ends up still working, you know, that's fine. Do you ever, not just with this book, with other books, have you ever had, you know, been a pretty dis decent way into a book, realize it's not working and, and toss the words? Oh, yes. I had one book in particular, the first of the Broken Rider books, which were a segue from the Baba Yagas. And part of the problem was that I had been writing from the, female protagonist point of view there. I mean, there were, you got both the point of views, male, male and female in, in those because there were paranormal romances, but I, it was a complete switching in, of gears. And I also was, I, I made a terrible, terrible error, a rookie error, which was that, you know, the male protagonist was a character you'd met before. And then the female protagonist was somebody he met and I made the female protagonist a Mary Sue. Now, for those people who don't know what that is, 
that's basically a wimpy character who doesn't act. Things happen to her, and instead of getting herself out of trouble, she gets rescued. It's a horrible thing, and I couldn't figure out why I hit, I think, about the 80-page mark out of, say, a 300-page book, and I, I was stuck. I couldn't get any further. And I sent it to a couple of my agent to read and my a couple of friends. And basically they all went, why is this woman such a wimp? And I had to get, I tossed almost all of it. I oh, had wow. to rewrite huge swaths. But then the book flowed and it was a much better book. It, I mean, it was agonizing. It was, I had never had to discard virtually an entire book before, but then and some of it I could reuse. I just had to tweak it. But I, I literally had to go back to, I think it was chapter one, uh, you know, page seven or eight and, and switch things from there. But as soon as I did that, then everything worked again. So, yeah, it does. It does happen. Uh, hopefully not often. <laughs> so what's your reward when you type the end? Um. I get to start revising it. Um, well, a lot of it is just that feeling of satisfaction that I did it because honestly, even after, I mean, I've written probably 25 fiction books and, and a few novellas and th about that many nonfiction books. I never really believe I'm going to be able to do it until I type the end. It, you know, I usually get to about, at the halfway part, and I'm really sure I'm never going to finish this book. It's going to be horrible. Um, I often uh, treat myself to, you know, like a little something, you know, like, I don't know, a day off and a bigger piece of chocolate than usual. But honestly, the the satisfaction of hitting those two words is that's the thing for me. It's its own reward. Now, tell us what's next for Carrie and Queenie and the Catskill Pet Rescue. Well, I'm actually working on the proof edits right now for Doggone Deadly, which is the second uh, book in the series. And it will be out, I think it's November 2nd of this year. Uh, the third one is written. It is with my editor. That will not be out until the beginning of May next year. Yeah, I mean, obviously, Queenie stays with Carrie, and Carrie is fixing up the shelter, and you know they're they're having a, a grand old time. And then Suze, who is her her best friend, has a a little itsy bitsy problem and is accused of murder in the next book. It's a very exciting little town that you're writing about. <laughs> well, actually, the, for the next one, they're in the town next over. It's a, a whole the whole area. And, you know, I've set this essentially not exactly where I live, a little bit further up in the Catskills. But, you know, I live at the in the foothills of the Catskills. And I, I set it here because I love this area. Hopefully nobody's getting murdered. Um, yeah, that, that is always one of those things with cozy mysteries. It's sort of like with uh, uh, what was her name? Uh, Rebecca, not Re Jessica... Uh, uh, you know that she was on TV. Oh, the, murder she oh, wrote. Murder she wrote. All you could think is, man, I would never want to move to that town because people are dropping dead everywhere. And yes, that is that is kind of a problem with these things. Is you know you've got 
you've got your protagonist stumbles over, stumbles over dead bodies at an unusually, you know, common rate. But that's part of the fun of it. <laughs> well, I can't wait to see what happens with them. Deb, thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, well, and thanks for having me. It's been a blast to talk to you. Deborah Blake's book, Forbidden Fatality, is available now, and the second book in the series comes out on November 2nd. On our next episode, I talk with New York Times bestselling author Carrie Vaughn about her latest book called Questland. Think Jurassic Park meets Dungeons and Dragons, and you'll have an idea of what that's about. Off the Page is produced by WSKG Public Media. I'm your host and producer, Crystal Siracus. Thanks so much for joining me today, and I hope to see you next time when we go Off the Page. <laughs>